0: There, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Usually during this time when I'm talking, I'm checking the audio levels, making sure everything's okay. We're in a studio with cameras recording us. We're like standing at a desk. We're not in like an actual recording studio. We've been doing this podcast for people who are new here for seven years now, and we've done it in that same room for seven years. I don't like change, Kevin. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: Gonna miss pushing the button and the, the the wrong, um, mic comes on. But you know, look, we have our faces here.
0: There are charms of that 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 are there. That, yeah, that are missing. We're gonna miss here. it.
1: The flaws. It's the flaws. To
0: look right there over there at my camera now, recording my face this entire time. It's luckily like hidden in the camera. It's not like a big one with like a light shining on me. <laughs> weird. We should talk about the Phoenix Suns now, huh? Yeah. They've played three games with Kevin Durant. They've won them all. Good for them. Uh, lovely start to the season, some would say. I noticed Kevin kind of looking through their schedule and everything. You can break this season into three segments. They start the year 16-7. and 7. Now injuries had already hit by then, but they weren't getting absolutely slammed. They get absolutely slammed by injuries. Plus, as we discussed during that time... Not all of it was injuries. I think we would argue the majority of it wasn't injury related. It was just no. more on how they were playing. They went six and seventeen across that stretch, fifteen and five in the third segment, which includes this one. And a lot of that was midseason trade, getting adjusted. A couple of games without Kevin Durant, and they're just they're churning right now at a really good point. And to bring in our Western <laughs> Conference standings update, we are finally, finally. After 65 games now we're at, we're finally seeing some real separation somewhere in the midst right now. So the Suns are still fourth. They're 36 and 36-29. They are 10 games back of the Nuggets still. They have 29 in the loss column again to repeat that number. But all the way down in ninth is the Utah Jazz, who are five back in the loss column of the Suns. It seems like we can definitively say, like, did we think that the team's nine to thirteen, whatever, get to four or three or whatever. No. But it was mathematically, like and logically it was there because of how close all of these teams were. But now it is Utah, Portland, OKC, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City with thirty-four losses. That is nine through thirteen. And then you've got at 33 losses the Clippers, 32 for the Timberwolves and the Mavericks. That is the breakoff for the 6-7. And then you've got the Warriors at 34 and 31 I looked at records. I to, the thing that inspired this 15-5 and five thing, Kevin, is I kind of was looking at how are other teams in the West, like what's been their form in the last 20 games. Sacramento's was lower than I expected. It was 13-8, it was and eight, I think I want to say, something like that, but still pretty darn good. Like I don't think they're going to be able to catch Sacramento. Might be able to catch Memphis, though. Uh, that John Moran situation has certainly developed since the last time we podcasted. It does, there is no clarity at all if he's going to even be back with the team. This season, there are some legal matters there that have to get attended to as well, and, and, and that are troubling. And then on that same kind of night, that same kind of situation, Brandon Clark out for the year tears his Achilles. I believe it was an, it was an Achilles injury, and he's been he's a huge part of what they do because I think De- Bane and Morant and like the the guards that they have have gotten a lot of attention. But they are the team that they are because they have the three man tandem of Adams, Jackson, and Clark. And now it's Santi Aldama time. No or? offense, but. But they're at 38 and 25. The Suns are only four games back of them in the last column, and I just say only because let's say this 15 and five-ish, like if they're so they've got 17 games left. Can they go 13 and four, 12 and five? I think they can, and could Memphis slide the other direction? Like, could they go? They've got 19 games left. Could they go seven and 12? Could they go six and 13? I'm not ruling it out. Now they've always been a team in the past, and no matter injuries, including Jaw, they've been able to overcome it, but. We're starting to see some developments now in the West, Kevin. Those
1: are sure developments, yes. Don't post things on your Insta story late
0: at night. Don't do it. I wonder if there's like an app where you can disable someone from going live on Instagram and like how agents and uh, teams of players now are going to make sure. Going live, never. <laughs> we really enjoyed it during the Olympics especially. I think KD went live and just talked a bunch of crap afterwards mm-hmm. about how deservedly so here's pop yeah people were counting out team usa in the olympics yeah (laughs) like notable people were counting them out like people who had a voice a platform and so on and he let them know i think book's gone live a couple of times great content don't get me wrong but Mm -hmm. watch out be careful you know you should be careful. It's defenses against Phoenix Suns, Kevin. Hey, oh, boy. Uh, so they're 3 0. They beat the Mavericks in what was the best regular season game the Suns have played since, I don't know. You proclaimed that on Twitter, and I kind of had the same thought. Like, I don't know. I called it the duel of dual superstars. Ha! See what I did there? My dumb brain messaged you and was like, Is this how you use duel? Is that right? There are two of them. No, like, there's two words. Yeah. There's two of them. Yeah. Awesome game. Uh, The stat that I had in there that I'm going to track down here in just a moment was just the assisted or scored numbers in the second half. They were absolutely insane. Uh, So Booker, Durant, Dontich, and Irving scored or assisted 116 of the 135 points scored in the second half of the game. So there were 19 points that they didn't directly factor into, and to be fair, a couple of those points are free throws that they probably set up in some sort of way for their teammates, but it was a super high-level basketball game in terms of the star power, at least. The, the game before that, they beat Chicago, and all this is to say, Kevin, uh, we podcasted after the Charlotte game. We've got three games of a sample size now, which at least lets us kind of feel out what we've seen the team look like. And what we like and what we don't like. And that's what we're going to be talking about today for a bit. So, let's start positive. What have you liked?
1: You throw out the Chris Paul catch and shoot numbers, which is like 51% on the year. Very good. Um, What's interesting about that is I looked like, I think it was 26% of his shots were assisted which is super low, like books are even like 44%, like kind of split in the middle. He just gets everything off of his own ball handling, a couple dribbles at least. And the weird thing about that is when you're aging and you're not getting assisted buckets, then like life's a lot harder for you, right? And there were two plays that just pop out um, watching the Mavs game where it was just like weak side swings with Kevin Durant or Book and Chris just catches it and he has just lane to the rim and I don't remember if he even got a layup but he got like very short floaters and he hit them and those are the plays where it's like dude this guy can't blow by anyone but he got those two shots and those really stuck out to me and that's kind of what I think of when we talk about all the unsurprising like kevin durant hits tough shots yeah he's getting Devin booker better looks yeah but those ones where you create wide open shots the the threes chris paul hit those are the ones where it's like okay this is beyond booker empowering and adding a superstar even it's getting to chris paul at some point i think da is gonna really figure it out in the first game he did like he had some good looks um only had 10 shots last two games but yeah i just think that's the one that i was like huh this is this looks completely different just the gravity and the space on the floor are completely different again not surprising but just how you see that come about was interesting to me
0: you can do the it's over for the league all these guys how do you guard this you can say that but then you want to see it and I said that as much as I could and wrote about it as much as I could but at the same time I believed that I still needed to see it kind of unfold and just the amount of there's already kind of a I hate to do this, but kind of a misconception growing with Booker's three games here that like, everything has been easy for him. He's hitting a lot of really, really tough shots, but there are a handful of shots that have come directly because of Durant getting doubled in the post. That's been something that I've learned is that when I went through all the stories or, or when I went through all of the uh, shots Durant took and I got all the numbers that I did for that story... I wasn't watching full games all the way through, and it's very clear that Durant gets double teamed in the post by almost every team in the league. At least we're three for three so far. No team has yet gotten gotten the ball in the post and been like, you know what, Tim Hardaway Jr.? You got it. You take that. Go ahead. (laughs) You take it. Uh, We haven't gotten that yet. And that in and of itself, um, I'm going to have a video on Twitter breaking down the last two offensive possessions they had in the game and on one of them, it was started just because they knew they just ran a play for Durant in the post because they knew it was going to trigger a double team, and they manipulated the defensive rotations because they knew that that defensive rotation was coming. And that's something that really came to light o- across these games. I'm not surprised at all that Book has used this sort of moment in Durant's return to kind of find his all first-team All-NBA form again. I'm sure I said as much somewhere, but... 36 a game for him, eight assists a game with one turnover a game. Uh, he's not—he's taking care of the ball too. Durant shooting 69% from the field, 27 points a game, only 14 shots a game. Again, 27 a game, 14 shots a game. Yeah, not a guy who is going to get in the mid to high 20s very often in a game. The only reason that he would ever get that high of a number is because other guys are out and he has to do everything. You're really not going to see him. Even if it's game six and they're up 3 2, I don't think he's going to take 31 shots in the game. Like, he won't need to. And he on won't this need team. to as well. Uh, so offensively, I really liked that. And then defensively, just to go back to a point we made last time, first impression, but it still carries over two games later, is just how much bigger they are as a team. If you look at the end of the Dallas game, Duran is the one that grabs that rebound away, the key rebound at the end when Doncic misses the bunny. Like, is, is Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, like, getting up to that ball? Like, I'm I'm not exactly sure. There are just a lot of different examples already where his size and his length inside of what they do, combined with Kogi who has got a 7-foot wingspan, just how much of a problem that presents and how much it helps them clean things up right now as they start to... I, I And to speak on one more misconception here before I kick it back to you, is that I, I've seen a lot of people kind of talk about how Phoenix isn't a good defensive team... Well, they're nearly. They are top ten in defensive rating. I think they're sixth right now. But like the look you just made at me for the video, listeners <laughs> out there, um, they are they are going to get much better defensively here in, in five weeks. I just don't know how much better they are going to improve. But I think that right now they are a fine defensive team. Is that how, would you, would you feel comfortable labeling it fine? But the question is, can they get? I think they'll get to good. Can they be a great defensive team? the potential is there it's just how much time yeah do they have but i'm starting to see it already three games in it's honestly
1: there i looked at again it's a three game sample size across the entire league last three games played they're sixth in that defensive rating wise which was kind of surprising to me because it just felt like the mavericks are scoring in every play and that kind of thing I think the important thing to say about, like, when Book has scored 35 or more last three, KD obviously came on that last game really strong, is if they're scoring that much, even if it's a little tougher, it's still, like, I don't know how many shots was booked at, 25 shots instead of 30, um, instead of 32. I think that matters for when you look at, like, oh, Book had to guard Kyrie for a a key portion when he was already hot. And I think having Kevin Durant and taking less, maybe it's only five fewer tough, like I have to go to work on this offensive possession, shots for Booker is going to help his defense. And same thing for KD. Like these guys, because Mikkel Bridges is gone, are going to have to guard some pretty good players at different points depending on the matchup. And I just think any energy reserve that you can save where kd does not expend much energy watching two guys run at him when he catches an a, po- a high post on the elbow and he swings it like that's that's a resting play for him basically and i think that's going to be huge between them and like if chris paul like has to save them one game for some reason and the a team is just letting him do what he needs to do um his legs are going to be saved so i think all these things kind of add up on the defensive end especially and where you say okay like again not many like above average defenders like that you think of as defenders um but like they're all efforts there with book katie they're obviously very smart basketball players and i think they're going to be okay and that's where again i'm i'm still wondering about how that's going to work with the rotations when you get down to terrence ross ish wayne right that kind of thing but right now i was actually surprised that the defense is even where it is i guess
0: so one more thing under we liked it before we go to more what needs to improve slash what didn't we like i think the like part is pretty obvious here it's pretty clear cut here i think everyone listening understands what what to like and what has been there, which is that you have two of the ten best players in the league on your team, and they are three-level scorers slash high-level playmakers slash primary initiators, that whole spiel. Uh, I like how Duran has had chemistry with some guys already. It's very clear that Jock Landale and him, sometimes when guys get traded certain places, like when Mikel went to Brooklyn, I was like, oh, him and Dorian are just going to be like... Not inseparable, but they're just going to, basketball wise, at least they're going to sync up. And it seems like everything we heard about uh, Dorian Finney Smith and Dallas, they're just like a stand up dude. So those two were going to get together really well. And you saw some of that. Uh, Royce O'Neal's in the same kind of category. Like I just knew, like, his kind of guys were there. And then when this kind of trade happened, Jock Landale was another guy where once we got to know his game, it just seems like he was going to fit in right away. Those two have a really good partnership already at the start of second and fourth quarters. Elsewhere, I think that, again, the campaign thing makes sense but you want to balance it between that being katie's time to cook and run the offense between cam being there like cam has to hit his threes when he's out there at this incredibly small sample size but he's at 27 percent in these three games so he's got to hit those a bit but i think that he has chemistry with Durant, and his skill set has chemistry there as well because if you have campaign pressure the rim and you put kevin durant in the weak side corner on the weak side wing you cannot help on campaign drives and you have to help on campaign drives because he is very very fast very fast
1: yeah and to my chris paul point earlier i think that has more room to grow the landale part that i think a lot of people saw where katie was just like i'm passing it to that man because one he's gonna and i saw the quote today he said he has good hands he's gonna catch it but it's about trusting that he's going to make the right play and finish um or he's a pretty good passer, underrated passer on the short rolls and that kind of thing. I think that's the big thing with getting DA involved is finding out how similar DA, and I know it's they're not really similar because like AD probably has all of his turnovers trying to pass to DA at this point, yes. but he, they're going to have to learn how to utilize that kind of pick and roll because again, first game, those dudes are running pick and roll it's like those are two seven footers running pick and roll this isn't what you the nba is supposed to be but it yeah, is maybe. now it's great it's crazy to watch um but yeah that that's kind of you can take parts of what jock does well and kind of figure out where da fits in there i think
0: on to what needs to improve slash we didn't like if you did not read uh uh i blabbered on forever about the rotations and what needs to sort of happen and this thought that i kept having with akogi and just the fifth starter spot in general is the much lesser version of it um because of the team and who they had was the okc thunder in 2020 in the bubble they played the rockets in the first round and the rockets were just leaving lou dort they were just leaving him and they were like you shoot the ball and you know who was telling him to shoot the ball chris paul chris paul was like yes when you're open shoot the ball he shot the ball before game six of that series i think across four or five games it was for him uh it was a seven game series and he played the he missed the first one so before game seven when he went nuts he shot 18 percent from three on like 40 something attempts across those games and that was a team while it's not like this one at all because of the height and just because of the overall scoring power they have that was still like Schroeder, Shea, Chris like those three supremely talented, capable scoring ball handlers and he didn't clutter it up as much necessarily but it was just make the right play and the Suns just always make the right play so I wrote that down with a Kogi, and I wrote it down with just a lot of their guys in mind honestly like Torrey Craggish, Wainwright a lot of those guys where if you're not if you're the guy who is out there not for shooting or offense and you are out there in crunch time, like they are going to leave you open. Again, the video that I have coming up on socials will highlight how the Suns took advantage of that still, but that was a very one-time thing, and I told you before we clicked record, I did not expect that example to come to fruition so quickly because against Dallas, it was 0-8 for 8 for Kogi in the first two and a half quarters, I believe, of the game. Ish who did not play in the first half plays in the second half and then hits four. So it it worked out there but Ish Ish was open, Akogi was open and there were two or three where I'll get to this later. Chris pollack had a jumper. He had a jumper. Yeah. But he sees the low man under the rim and he's like I he's shooting 40 something percent but that the, the the number isn't even in Chris's head. It's he's open. He's in the corner. He's got to get that ball so we can keep that trust, but he's also yeah. got to get it because that's the right play. And eventually, you can run into this problem where, like for example, Akogi um, has taken six and a half threes a game over these three games, small sample size, but across this stretch that he's having where he was playing really, really well, um, two sides of the coin, good side of the coin. He's shooting forty something percent since so and so on so and so attempts per game, like four, four and a half, like really good volume, right? Yeah. The other side of the coin that I kept thinking about was four threes is a lot per game for a shooter like that. And again, I've repeated this stat a lot not to, um, like, uh, I've repeated this stat a lot not to like have anything against like how he plays or like just really trying. Um, I'm not trying to diminish anything from like his role or whatever but i can't emphasize this enough like he was he was the worst three point shooter in the league for his first four years in minnesota if you go those four years 500 three point attempts per game like 90 100 whatever it was something guys like he he ranked last he was he was 28 29% um and that's the type of number where you see this huge jump for him in phoenix and it's probably going to land somewhere more in the middle i'm not suggesting he's going to go back down to 29 i think he can be mid 30s but at the same time, the mid 30s guy, are you willing to leave him out there? Then, if you aren't, and you're bringing Damian Leon, who shoots 57% from the corners, okay? Yeah. Who guards who? Who is guarding Luka that whole time while Okogi, who did a really good job on him, by the way, and Luka did not have a good game? Like, I don't know. Like, and these are just, we need, speaking of what we like, what we didn't like, what we can draw <laughs> to conclusions. Like, I still don't know on that front, like, what the answer is. Who Who starts there? Why? What defenses are doing with that guy, what offenses are doing with that guy. I don't know yet. I still don't know. It's crazy because he was
1: 0 for 7 and 0 for 8, and he was still making you be like, oh, they should keep him on the floor. And it was like an offensive rebound, um, a great defensive possession, hustle things. And it's just even the ball handling that he brings, where it's enough to bring the ball up even to. Relieve Chris and Devin and Kevin. Other guys don't bring all that other stuff. And I think it was promising and interesting. I guess not so much this season. Monty has kind of been more willing to experiment with in games, I think, which is good. And that paid off again with Ish. But it's gonna be very curious if he can like do that and then i guess we'll see next game is josh kogi gonna start hitting threes again like in a series where if he has one bad game and the key team the op- 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 opposition just leaves him the next game and it builds and does it break him mentally and he just can't hit a three at all and then do you got to pull him and then suddenly your rotation and how it functions is just completely changed and flipped like it's easy to say, yeah, just plug Ish Wainwright. He'll hit four threes out of four tries, or like Landry Shamit, come on down. You're a good defender. If they, they can put him on a smaller guy, like sure, but it's it's what else he brings that is like super complimentary to this team and, and that starting lineup. So I, it's easier to say, like, yeah, if they have lots of options. It'll be fine. But the reason that he's there is because he does all the Mikel Bridges things.
0: And guess what? They're murdering teams so far when he's out there with the starters, murdering. Third plus thirty-eight and forty-nine minutes. They were plus eleven uh, in the Dallas game, in sixteen minutes they were plus twenty-six in nineteen minutes against Chicago. It was more even out against Charlotte. That was our first game together. Plus thirty-eight and forty-nine minutes. They're not going to be double-digit plus minuses every single game. Yeah, but man, it's still really working with him out there. So to loop back in a positive there into w- within. The negative, and then the other names. Whew. Uh, I replied to a Mike Hill tweet where after, I think it was Ross's third game, Terrence Ross's third oh, game. Oh, yeah. Uh, Controversy, he, Kellen. Uh, Mike tweeted out that I just don't understand what Ross, like, I, it's hard to see what he uh, contributes to the team besides scoring. So, like, when he's not scoring, like, the contribution doesn't feel like a lot. And I watched him... Look, watched him during the OKC game, or the Clippers game, I can't remember. Whatever game it was at home, I think it was the second game, so it was the Clippers game. I was just watching him the whole time, and he was talking a lot on defense, and he was trying on defense, and he was rebounding, and he was moving offensively. Like He was doing the kind of stuff that guys in his role need to be doing in their system. So I felt like we saw the good example of it, then we saw the bad example of it in that Milwaukee game, he misses a two games because of a toe injury, then he comes back against Dallas, and Dallas just went at him over and over. I think there's a stretch and where they
1: got and in over three different ways, three points on a possession, and it was like and one, here's a three, and a lot of it wasn't even like him screwing up. It was just they were going for some reason did I say this last time? It's like the Austin River's like dude tries really hard, but just. He's a points magnet for some reason or another.
0: I've always had a. I don't. I don't think this is a hot take. I've always had this theory with basketball that if if you look at, I'm trying to remember who it was on the Suns. I cannot remember, but like you know how when Jimmer got in the league, everyone was like, "Yeah, give me Jimmer tonight." Nah. <laughs> I'm going to, I think there is an innate value to a player getting the ball and looking at the match and being like, "This guy can't." this guy cannot guard me like these yeah. guys are hyper confident for a myriad of reasons with what chris pulsing facundo capazzo yes that series yeah. he was i think his he was shooting the ball better because he was like this guy like he's toast against
1: me they're really putting this guy on me
0: like you're just yes.
1: like your heart is insulted like you're your LeBron teacher just is, told you that LeBron you're not
0: is a big like how dare you have this guy kind of yeah leader. he was kind of like that with pj for the start of the pj stuff a bit and then i think he he gained some respect there as pj has across the league i remember that in phoenix like first time pj played against the like, other who, who this guy and it's like oh this guy's kind of good kind, kind of not bad at the defense but i i say that to your point because i thought he played like pretty fine defense he just, yeah. they just ran through him yeah and, it was so bad that i am never the type during a game to be like so-and-so's gotta play or so-and-so's gotta not play but i was like he's gotta get out of there. <laughs> and fans three games in uh to ross or four games in for him i'm not exactly sure are already, fi- like, i mean yeah I don't of know. course are gonna react in a certain way and say like it's no point playing him like it just bring tj the already. tj stands who are Basley can play defense why don't you put Basley in um He is going to keep playing. Now, the interesting thing is how much of this... I'm trying to think of the way to bring up the correlation, essentially, but he is getting minutes not because he was promised a certain role and all that kind of stuff, but it factors into the equation here because it doesn't really make sense that he's the first guy in and not Tori from just everything that they do. It just doesn't make sense that he's the first wing, and Tory's not. Um, so I'm curious to see how that develops over these next couple of games, especially if teams are going at him. Now, this is similar to teams leaving Okoge in the corner. Not every team is going to do it. You're not going to notice it everywhere. But he does need to contribute offensively and hit threes to be out there. I think Mike was really onto to something there, where I saw him in that game. So it needs to be either he's, he's hitting his shots and he's having an offensive impact, or it's more that game I saw where... You wouldn't notice it during the game. Yes, during that game even that I was watching there were some defensive mishaps, but I thought that he was doing a lot in other areas. It was I hate to say this, but it reminded me of watching like Bender and Chris a bit where you're like you're just picking up like okay, there aren't huge mistakes out there as long as you're not making huge mistakes out there and you're just consistently impacting the game a little bit here, a little bit there, that's great. That's all you need to be doing right. Yeah. Now. And it's it he's a veteran. He's much more established than those guys, much better than those guys to be completely clear with how I was making the the comparison there so then those questions come up with him and now I'm looking around at this bench and I'm like man who's the first wing off the bench like it's it's got to be Tory, but then Ish had the really good game like the fifth starter fifth closer part and the first wing off the bench part I ended the recap with this like I don't I think we're we're not going to know until like the last week of the regular season because TJ is going to get more opportunities Baisley is going to get more opportunities if you think that Monty was just going to let Bazley sit on the bench the whole time like that's that would have just meant that like practice signs it's not going well yeah but he got a couple of minutes in chicago yeah tj has gotten a couple of minutes here and there like these guys are going to continue to get some opportunities here and there
1: it is crazy just because of monty's habits he's been stubborn in the past with his rotations and i think that's why we take what what he said pop told him was like oh okay and he's acting like like he wants to see this process through and that's the basely minutes coming out of nowhere um the tinkering with ish again in that mavs game and and just being like you know what it's not josh's night we're gonna go somewhere else so that's where big picture when you look at okay do they get eight and more involved i'll go back to that because i think there's patience involved in that right so you saw them spamming the Durant high elbow post play clear out that just draws attention and bodies to the one side of the floor, and then you swing it a couple of times and you get a really good shot. Like that's very basic as a play, but I think they did it so much in the past few games just to see, okay, this is what we can do out of it. And they're gonna just start building on these things. And I think it's kinda cool. It's like almost like a science project where you're just taking like one test you're going to do it a bunch and see the results you take that data and then you you try something else and build on that so to me that's where bringing this all together is going to be super fun because every game in the it's 17 right that are left data points 17 data points where we're going to be like oh the mavs game that's where we learn this and they good
0: good film as mr durant would say (laughs) good tape good film i can't remember how i said it
1: yeah so that's where i think we're going to have a lot more fun than like if this team did not make this trade and i know like it's easy to say our podcast wouldn't be as fun without kevin durant but it would be a lot more like okay well this is the same team mikhail bridges is doing more we're just gonna see how they act and they they wouldn't be doing all this tinkering because there will not be that many new pieces to tinker with
0: last thing do you know who the third leading scorer was on sunday
1: holy cow um it wasn't deandre was it was it chris
0: ish had 12 points those four What threes. did chris have 11 okay across these three games uh deandre is taking 6.7 shots per game that's got to go way up uh, and then Chris is at 8.3. Here's the crazy thing on Chris. He has attempted eight two pointers in three games. Eight. Eight twos. He's taking the majority of his shots from three, shooting 29% on those. I think a couple of those have been pull ups. They haven't really been catch and shoot as much. By the way, catch and shoot this year, shooting 50%. One of the things we saw in these games, we're going to help off Chris Paul like he's a non shooter. Do not do that. That's not going to work. He is going to
1: hit those. Did trees. I tell you that the. He, 44% of his shots have been catch and shoots um since KD began yeah. and again it was I don't know if I said that number but I said it was 26% mm-hmm. for the season as a whole so there very a, interesting
0: there was a possession where uh Durant drove or something like drew extra attention and then the ball went to Booker and then Booker drew the extra attention and kicked it to Paul and then he got to attack a closeout and hit a floater and I was like oh man yeah do you how do you stop that this points to it's very obvious for the two of them they have a very good two-man game together you don't need me to say that they need to find pockets of a game or a pocket of the game where it can just be them running pick and roll and them dominating a game like they can and I think that that is the part, chemistry-wise, continuity-wise, over the five weeks offensively, that they need to find. I don't think people understand enough how important it. Like The the depth thing that I've been talking about and the argument that I've been making is, don't care about depth. If there are four guys, play the way that they should. I'm going to keep saying it all year. There are four yeah. guys, play to their potential and play it to their ability, and they get the most out of those guys, they are going to win a championship. Four, not two. Because if you're <laughs> two... You're Dallas. Like, you're you're better defensive Dallas, essentially. And That's that's like Chris Paul going off to, like, we don't...
1: Now Chris Paul really doesn't need to, but yes, he, in theory, will have to save them one game. And he and DA might be running pick-and-roll, and Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are sitting on the other side of the court if that's how they're killing someone, and then suddenly that team's in
0: big trouble. When Golden State's got Wiggins on... Booker and Draymond on Durant probably and that's not to say that those two guys can really sustainably impact a series defending those two but when those two are getting pressed the way they are against a really hyper intelligent defensive team like Golden State yes you will need to have Chris Paul run pick and rolls with Curry over and over again to wear down Curry over the course of a series like we've seen I hope we get it this year selfishly but we just haven't seen that dynamic over the of a playoff series yet against Golden State. We've seen the matchup, but it changes in a playoff series. And in a playoff series, I would like to nearly bet the house on more Chris Paul pick-and-roll than for any other pick-and-roll because Curry is the one guarding those pick-and-rolls and they want to wear him down. And that's something that you need to have in your locker to the Mikel, my new Mikel cam thing of like, get them the ball, let them run stuff, is to find ways to get... Paul and Aiton in the two-man game. I can't remember. Again, it's really hard to hear during some of these, but what Monty said in terms of minutes restriction for KD right now, if there is still one, Dwayne was kind of asking about the 40-minute thing. I don't know how the rotations work right now exactly to where you find them, those pockets necessarily, where they can do it, but I do think that it's fine to open the game with it and use Duran and Booker as spacers sometimes. I don't think that's the worst idea to find, and all of this is like very like just fine-tuning moving the slider here a little bit moving yeah. it over. just
1: there to find bit. out even if you think i don't think we're ever going to use this in a playoff series just do it like one game against the sacramento oh just kidding the kings are and this is not a bit.
0: concern for me they're gonna figure this out but it's something that they do need to figure out over the next couple of weeks because once it's big three big four because i think deandre is someone you don't need to run offense for necessarily but chris you you do because he can't just be a catch and shoot pass to the right guy kind of person like it's just deandre can be super duper role player i don't think chris can be with his on ball defense i guess i would put it as i'm, I'm not sure i think yeah. he's still a, you and i talk about this all the time. I, I still think he's a good defender but on ball there there are some reasons to be concerned there with his age after all but again the big four it's it's about four of them so i'm curious to see how deandre and chris really get going especially and again to close like the schedule is going to present the opportunities they get okc tomorrow sacramento golden state milwaukee this is an awesome awesome sacramento is they they
1: put some bonus on da right i was like taking a shot sacramento admittedly there but that one is a good one to get those two going
0: yes i would i would bet a lot on that uh being prominently in the game plan and then again golden state milwaukee so this five games is really really great in terms of seeing it against good teams then we get some more uh later on are you going to be able to get out to a game
1: might do it. Might start putting my c- name out there.
0: As a civilian or as a, oh, as a
1: reporter? I'm
0: not paying that. Just I don't know, you gotta <laughs> take it hook up somewhere, man. I mean you should, right? <sighs> I think Brightside's article I saw this morning was like forty percent is what they've gone up so far.
1: I looked. It seems low They're actually not yeah, they're actually within the realm of like I can't afford it.
0: I think it was like two hundred fifty, three hundred bucks for like the first like I scrolled, I kept yeah. scrolling until I found a lower level seat and it was like two hundred.
1: It's like the worst. Nose nosebleeds are above a hundred by, you know, probably twenty dollars, thirty dollars after all the fees. But so it's it's reasonable. Yeah. But
0: I told Dave Burns this like there's a couple of marquee games here you should probably make it out to one or two. I th- you've got. I think this is
1: worth like. Of all times to lose money and spend money, it's not losing money watching Kevin yeah. Durant. I shouldn't say but that if you that way. Go
0: sit up upstairs, you know, as, as a media member. Um, Milwaukee, Denver, yeah, Denver twice. By the way, at home in the span of seven days, seven days. It's it's a Friday, and then it's a Thursday, uh, both in Ooh. Phoenix. OKC plays in Golden State tonight. What did the league, what did they do to the NBA to get the Suns on the second game of back to back twice in, After the in like three weeks? Like, what did they do?
1: Small market? I don't know.
0: I got to ask him about that. I got to. You want
1: all the second round picks?
0: Like, before the super team kind of formed or before they developed with Westbrook and Harden and everything, like, I would, I would be, man, did you notice, like, OKC just getting, like, brutal schedule <laughs> stuff because they're in Oklahoma City? Like, I don't I don't know what's going on there. All right, we'll be back next week. This was weird. I'm not used to this room at all still. Bye. I'll get used to it.